And welcome to Know Your Gear QA podcast number 189. Hope you guys had a great week. So what's going on this week? Well, we got a couple things to talk about, some things to share. Some I'm sure you guys are going to have questions as always. And um, let's see if I can get to... Uh, I, you know what? I didn't capture the first question of the day. I kind of feel horrible. I was, I have a new recording system and, uh, hopefully it sounds good. <laughs> the, the test went right. Uh, just changing things up a little bit and, uh, new, new stuff, just new stuff. Uh, so anyway, so a little focused on that. Uh, uh, st- strifecta, strifecta, like not like trifecta, but strifecta says, you have to spend $100. I know he's not talking to me. I'm just doing it. $100 super chat to get a wrench. Uh, should you do it? Uh, you don't have to uh, $100 to get a wrench. If you guys don't know, and that's I just why I wanted to chime in on that. If you don't know what the blue wrench is, um, the blue wrench is uh, I can click and make somebody a moderator. And so it's usually somebody I recognize for being on the chat a lot of times or somebody I know. Maybe they have a YouTube channel as well. And so um, what happens when you click that, they have some abilities in one of the abilities they have is the ability to kind of uh, uh they can they can take people out of the, tr- the chat if they want or put them in timeout and silly things like that um which sometimes is helpful they can also get my attention real fast if they need to excuse me in case they want to say hey so you know this person is trying to say something or ask something and uh there you go and um this is a good time to do it. I think what's today the 11th it's not too early uh so I ran this by my wife she thought this was a great idea I'm being sarcastic. She said, okay. <laughs> I took, okay, as what a great idea. Um, I wanted to do something for the moderators of, of the channel. Uh, and uh, so here's what happened. I said, hey, this is what I want to do. Actually, let's, let's back up. My wife wanted to do something for the moderators of the channel. I feel like if I don't become, if I don't tell you the entirety, I'm going to have a problem later. My wife said, you should do something for the moderators of the channel. I said, oh, okay. And then she's like, she was talking about things like sending a gift card to like a restaurant or something like that. And uh, it's too confusing and too hard to do all this stuff and track all this stuff. So here's what I, uh, so here's what I'm telling you. If you're a moderator, which means you have a blue uh, wrench as of today of the channel, uh, if you would like, please send me an email and uh, of your address and what I decided uh, which my wife thought would she said was okay (laughs) which meant it was a great idea Uh, we're going to send you a special know your gear shirt uh, that's just for you it's uh, I I don't know if I should tell you what's on it it's it's actually cool I I, like I said it was my idea and I was like hey wouldn't this be cool so that's what we're going to do so all you have to do please uh, like Ben Amanda Michael uh, unfreaking believable uh, LPD anyone who's got the blue wrench who's helped me Brian please Please just send me the email that, you, you know, just get a hold of me through the normal email channels. And uh, and so I can get your address and uh, I delegate that to my wife. My my great idea is now her work, which is probably when she went, OK. <laughs> so and uh, and then, you know, maybe it'll be fun. Maybe I shouldn't tell you what the shirt is and then you can share them and we can share them and see what's special about them. Um, I thought it was a cool idea. So you guys let me know if I should hold off or tell you guys uh brian says staff kyg shirts kind of yeah that's kind of the idea but something i don't know like i said we won't won't hammer on it there's justin same thing justin let me know um so again just to say something to thank you guys this is uh funny because um what came up this is a, a what came up about this was uh somebody 
in a comment that my wife, I guess, caught in a comment when she was watching something on the show, uh, was talking about me ignoring comments. And my wife was reading and she's like, how are you reading all this crap <laughs> while you're talking? And I said, uh, so I, sh- I did an illustration to her. I was showing her we were driving. I was driving down the road with my truck you know we're driving and i said well you can't read and drive you crash but you can look for a word on a street sign and so i'm looking uh while i'm talking for key words things that i think might you know depend so i'm not reading i'm kind of skim looking for words and so when i told her that she's like then why would somebody call you out for not reading their comment i said well because they don't know that while they're reading all the comments i can't i can't physically see them uh it's too many um too many too many. So that's why I want to thank the moderators for making it somewhat manageable. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Mo- <laughs> Michael says, moderators get fenders. You get a fender. You get a fender. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? Ah, uh, man. Uh, but no. <laughs> okay. Um, let's. Uh, so I got a couple questions. Uh, let's see if there's a, there's actually no question. Oh, here's one. Um, Johnny Chase says, would... I use, he's saying you, so you use a Les Paul P90 for a rock and alternative. What? Yeah, would I use a Les Paul P90s? Absolutely. I had a Les Paul P90s and I uh, I sold it and I got a SG with P90s, which is behind me somewhere. There it is, right there. there uh, so on the podcast, I pointed to an SG with P90s in it. Um, and uh, uh, I love the Les Paul P90s. That's definitely the right guitar. It's It's got the rock. I, to me, it's just I've always wanted an SG with P90s. Um, it's To me, it's got this really cool Eric Johnson sound. <laughs> I don't know what to, how to explain that. I don't even know if Eric Johnson has an SG with P90s. He might, but I have it in my head that he has an SG with P90s, and he gets a cool sound with it, and there you go. Um, so... Um, William says, hello, Phil, terrible week and no end to it. I, I've been there, buddy, uh, you know, with the terrible weeks. This is not my terrible week. Last week was one of my terrible weeks. Uh, this week was just a hard work week, but that's okay. Works good. Uh, yeah, it feels crappy out there. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I I don't, I don't, uh, that's why we're doing this. This is our time. This is our time. We're the Goonies. This is our time. This is, this is. (laughs) I wish I remembered the kid's speech. It would be really inspiring right now. This is our time now. We're down in the thing with the strange people. The kid, <laughs> looking for pirates' treasure. Anyways, this is our time. This is our time right now to enjoy guitar, the thing we love, and, and gear and stuff. So yeah, I understand, man. So hopefully your your crappy week goes away for at least an hour or so. Uh, and if not, maybe I'll complain and you can just listen to me complain about stuff. Maybe that'd be fun. Or not. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, E.R. Webster. Hey, E.R. E.R. has got a great channel, by the way. I, I've talked about him before. He's, he did one of the great guitar builds and, and stuff. So he's saying it's a tough work week, buddies. It's Friday. It is Friday. And it came fast. It was a fast Friday this week. Um, so let me get on to some things. Okay, so uh, let me let me just grab a couple because uh, Super Chats, like I said, because they're there and I don't want them to stack up. That's what happens to me sometimes. They, they build up too try to keep it momentum going uh and of course oh uh, man hole in the head says thanks for all your help over the years problem with the next flex he's got a problem with a neck flexing on a stumac sg kit uh, i can understand that because i would imagine sg's necks are, are move in my opinion they move a lot especially the thinner ones and uh so i would imagine a kit guitar would be 
maybe not as good. So maybe has a problem even more so. Sure. Uh, he's in the truss rod. He's okay. Truss rod adjusts so the neck is straight. Okay. We got that co- and in tune, but while playing the neck flexes causing the effect. How to fix. Um, yeah, so uh, this is a problem I've, I've come across over the years with actual Gibsons and Epiphones and SG-style guitars, and it has to do with just, if you look at the SG, how the neck's mounted, there are just some, some things with it. Um, the problem is, I mean, other than usually you adjust the truss rod till, till you know, because usually when they're flexing, it's because the truss rod's not tight enough, and the problem is when you get the truss rod tight enough, then your action's too low, and, you, you know, you have to adjust the bridge, so what... What I generally do, try to do, is try to get the truss rod as tight as possible, and be tight meaning the neck is straight as the neck can be, like you did, and then try to make the adjustments from the bridge so that I can get the strings off the uh, off the neck and and hope that the truss rod kind of stiffens the neck, uh, makes the neck a little less malleable or flexible. Flexible is probably the word, word, right word for it, tongue twister. Um, Th- that's part of it. Uh, other than that, I don't know of anything else you can really do. Um, so, but it's an interesting question. You know what? I will look into it further because um, it doesn't happen often. Usually when it flexes, it's also, also keep in mind, it could be the time of year that it's happening too. SG's, uh, you know, right now as it's getting colder across the country and we're turning on those heaters and drying out the air, that's really what's making the next more extreme than normal. It's not, it would be not normal right now for the most of us, depending where you live on the planet, to go on uh, to your guitars right now and see all your guitars are slightly sharp. Uh, in tuning because the necks have pitched back a little bit. So so hope we'll hope that's part of it too. Uh, Michael says, could any of the new PRS guitars be improved by plucking? I have an SE hollow body to P- uh, uh, Piazzo. Um, so uh, so here's the funny thing about pi- uh, the, the pleck thing. And I'm glad this came up because that was the video I did this week. Uh, the video I did uh, was, you know, uh, plucked Squire versus my custom shop. This was a video, if you guys, the long-term viewers know, this is a video I actually pitched to Sweetwater a year ago to do, and it just didn't work out, and I don't know if they weren't interested or it just was never lined up. So I said, you know what? I really like this idea. I thought it was a fun idea, and when I pitched it to them, all I was really trying to do was get them to foot the guitar bill. You know what I mean? I'll make the video. So I said, screw it. I'll just pay for it myself, and... Um, and uh, maybe you guys will find this funny. I hope you guys do because it took me about a day to make it to find it funny. So uh, the theory was I'd buy the guitar and then hopefully the video would do viral, be huge, and people would watch it and it would do great. And then the video would make so much money that it paid for the guitar and my time. But just the damn guitar would be nice. So here's what happened. <laughs> I paid $440 for the guitar. Did the video. <laughs> The video is like 130, 125,000 views, which would normally make at least five, maybe $600 at that number. I, for some reason, didn't click the stupid button for the commercial at the beginning of the, of the video. So it didn't make uh, that much money. <laughs> so, it's fine. I made good money. I mean, I made like a couple hundred bucks and then, you know, I could always sell off the guitar, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to sell it off right now. Uh, we, we talked about maybe doing giveaways or selling it. I'm not sure what to do with the guitar yet. Maybe I'll just play it for a while. But either way, uh, I'm just sharing with you that uh, sometimes uh, it's not all glamour on the YouTube uh, circuit. Sometimes it's uh, you screw up a button and uh, 
yeah, it doesn't work out. Anyways, so what what uh, what I want to talk about was what your question was about uh, plucking a PRS. So here's an interesting thing about the pluck thing, and that's why I like doing videos like that. Hopefully, it creates these conversations. That's why when I make a lot of content, that's my goal. Believe it or not, is to make a video like that. I don't really care if you guys watch the video and go, oh, uh, of course that happened. I really want you guys the next day to go, did you see that video about Pleck and Esquire? You know, and then argue it. So here's here's what's funny about this. Gibson plucks their guitars. PRS doesn't. Okay. Kiesel plucks their guitars. Fender doesn't. I think Kiesel plucks, plucks their guitars. Actually, better off. GNL plucks their guitars. Fender doesn't. <laughs> Gibson plucks their guitars. PRS doesn't. I think all four of those guitars play about the same, you know, quality wise. They're really good. I think maybe the PRS is a little better than the Gibsons, maybe. And I think maybe the GNL is a little better than the Fenders, in my opinion, generally speaking. Um, so it's kind of funny. I just said to you, if you think about it, one in one way, a Pleck uh, beat the non Pleck, and in the other way, a Pleck beat the None, you know, pluck, vice versa. So uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think plucking your uh, guitar will work. Here's what I think I learned from that, like I said, very makeshift one video experiment. I have really never noticed the pleck. In fact, to the point where I don't, I have a lot of guitars that are plucked. I have my Gibsons are plucked. Uh, I have my GNLs plucked. Um, I don't know what else I have plucked. I think my Kiesel's plucked. I don't know why I keep thinking that, but it's possible. Um, and I don't notice anything. <laughs> I don't notice one's better than the other. However, what I will tell you is, what was interesting to me is, I, like I said in that video, I stand behind it. I have played a lot of Squires. I'm very familiar with how Squires feel when they're good and when they're bad. And that one was, if not the best playing one I've ever played, one of the best ones. So uh, what I learned from that was plucking a cheap guitar seems to make a big difference. You can notice it. It was very obvious that that was better. Should you che uh, pluck a cheap guitar? No, no, no. Because like I said in the video, I think plucking versus uh, having a, a competent tech do the work. I think if you you know, either way, it could be a big improvement, but either way, a good setup is a good idea and a good fret uh, level. Make sure your frets are level and stuff. But um, I'm not arguing that you should have to pluck cheap guitars. I'm just telling you that it was extremely noticeable, extremely. And I know even a couple of people said it would be really nice if you did an unplucked versus plucked Squire and compared them. I agree. And if I had some kind of interaction with a company on this and it, you know what I mean? That's what opens up that budget for them to ship out two guitars. And then you can do this kind of, you know, kind of debauchery, crazy things, you know, right? When it's your bill, it's tough um, because, you know, <laughs> you got you to gotta figure out how to break even or make money uh, in the theory of it, right? You don't want to have to pay in to make content. I mean, keep in mind, a video like that takes two, three days of work and editing and put, you know, putting together, you know, I mean, you want to like come out somewhere flush on this. Um, but that all being said, uh, yeah, I understand that would be great, but I'm telling you, that Squire was fantastic or is fantastic. And in fact, it's in the other room. I was playing it this morning and I was still enjoying the hell out of it. That's why I said it's really been interesting. Um, so there you go. I think that was a very long way to talk about that, but uh, there there you go. Uh, Chris St. Meyer says, Phil, LPD 8768 into a Princeton question mark. Yep. Uh, or take a leap of take leap to Friedman PT 20 dirty Shirley to satisfy my British gain needs. So he's asking me, which one should you do? And this is where it's always, like I said, tricky because, uh, I could tell you what I think you should do, but really I'll just tell you what I do. I currently run my Princeton is my still my main amp all this time. As much as I still like my Dirty Shirley amp, as much as I like the PT20, as long as much as like like all these other amps, 
the 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 reality is like i said i i still play mostly in the other room and the other room there's only one amp in the other room it's my princeton and it just rotated again um it was the princeton 10 inch speaker now it's the princeton 12 inch speaker just to get change it up a little bit and i'm currently running uh well i run my 68 uh, lpd pedal into it and i run a um my atlantic uh delay from uh uh said new x is that Nux? New X? I think so. And uh, Keeley compressor. I'm trying to think what's on that. It's a mini board. I have a little mini board. I, I was thinking about last night showing it to you guys because it's been like the same board forever. Um, but yeah, that's what I, I use. I still use. Uh, and as much as I like, I think you can't go wrong with any of that stuff. Um, and if, but you're saying you need, you know, the British, your British needs, you need that British tone. I don't know, man. It's it's tough. I used to go through those phases too. We were all there like, ah, I need this amp. I need this amp. And I've collected up some amps and and I'm really happy. I'm looking at some now uh, with how it works out. But I really think at this point in where I'm at, uh, I'm still happy with my Fender amp. And and I really like that damn Engel amp. I just keep going back to that thing. Um, it's in fact, those two amps. <laughs> I feel like I just, uh, and, it, and like I said, I don't think the Ingle sounds better than, let's say, my Freeman Dirty Shirley or my Dr. Z, my Maz 18. I don't think it sounds better than those, but I think it fakes it so good that I'm happy. So, uh, Tony wants, we're going back to the, uh, the moderator shirts. Tony says it should uh, say KYG security. Uh, yeah, you know what? Those are good suggestions. You know what? I, I know what my idea is, but maybe if you guys throw up enough suggestions, I will steal one and say, well, I'll give you credit, but I'll be like, it's still my idea. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, what else? What else are we doing? Oh, you know what? We probably should talk about the big, uh, the big thing. Uh, so here's the big thing. So it says we're, so we don't get sidetracked. So uh, I got an email and, uh, when I get, I got a bunch actually, and a bunch of emails and, uh, one of them is uh, our bunch of emails about the same thing. And it was about Behringer Stop Selling uh, to Mom and Pops. And I'll, I'll share this with you. I want to talk about this. This is actually a big subject and it's important. So the it was Music Tech Magazine is where I saw it. And it says Behringer Parent Company, uh, tr- Music Tribe. Music Tribe is a company that owns Behringer. Or, uh, it's a, a, and it's also ran by Uli Behringer <laughs> to stop selling gear to physical retail stores. And then it goes on to talk about the fact fact that a couple things are going to happen. So you understand Behringer is, and it doesn't, keep in mind, this article is very vague, very, very short. It's not in depth. So it's not a lot of information. So there's going to be a little bit of uh, kind of like, you know, guesswork here. We're assuming, at least I am, that reading that announcement from Behringer, they mean all the Behringer brands, which mean like TC Electronics. So they're not going to be selling to brick and mortars. Now, of course, brick and mortars uh, physically mean stores like Guitar Center, the physical stores, I guess they're right. But it goes on to say that they're going to sell direct to consumers and then bring in like four key online support uh, super vendors, right? And... um, and the super vendor speculation from that same music magazine would be that it would be Sweetwater, Toman, uh, uh, Amazon, and I thought it was AliExpress or it might be Alibaba, whatever the uh, whatever the I don't I don't know the cha- I just know the alley whatever the alley is I think it's AliExpress, um, but anyways uh, those would be the four things where you'd buy, buy the stuff online and of course there'd be no more mom and pops or no more brick and mortars which actually would probably still pertain to uh, to them and this is actually an important thing here's why it's important it is now about ten years ago okay give or take 
that Fender made the decision to sell direct to consumers. So Fender sells direct to consumers. Since since Fender making that decision, companies like Seymour Duncan and Schechter, and I'm I'm saying a few companies, I'm not trying to out anyone here. They're all public about this. They sell direct consumers. This isn't a witch hunt by any means. It's an explanation. Um, so what we're seeing is a trend of more and more companies coming public and saying, hey, we're going to sell direct consumer. Now, Behringer, though, different than Fender, Schechter, and Seymour Duncan, who said, hey, we will have an interface sell to direct consumer system, but we will also have your, the ability for you to go and, and go to buy it at your local, your favorite store. Behringer is actually making the statement, no, this will be how they will do it. You will just be get, get online. They're not going to do in-person sales anymore because there's no more brick and mortar. This is an interesting argument, interesting take, because I have said this before, and the saying I've always used is called bad ideas are infectious. And I, and I mean that and not saying this is a bad idea, but ideas in their ideas by fact are infectious. So when Fender says I'm going direct, they set the lead and then more companies go direct. And when Behringer says they're going direct and they're not going to work with the brick and mortars, that's really another brand. Now, what's what I'm saying that is, is Behringer is a big deal. So What's going to happen, what could happen that's important is a year from now, two years from now, companies are going to look at Behringer and go, wow, they're doing good or they're doing great or they're doing bad. And then they're going to look at that scenario and go, okay, well, that's what not working with brick and mortars does. And so therefore, if they do well, it means you do well. And if you do bad, it means you're doing bad. And so this is a little concerning because this this is another possible problem for the mom and pop brick and mortar or brick and mortar some of the some of the mom and pops don't like to be called mom and pops mom and pops just did an affectionate statement for businesses that are not ran by investment firms right i think so you know i think of of sam ash as a mom and pop store chain i think of sweetwater technically as mom and pop um because uh they're not ran by venture capital companies you know what I mean? Guitar Center. And again, I'm not trying to villainize any company. I'm just explaining the difference. There's a person that gives a crap when I deal with companies every day, right? It has nothing to do with just YouTube on all kinds of levels. I deal with companies and there is always a difference when you talk to a company that's owned by a person, especially the person that started it or second generation or third generation. And there's, there's, there's just dits. It's not only in the person and the people and the vibe, you know, right? Uh, Hans Tolman owns Tolman. Tolman feels different. It should feel like this big ominous conglomerate company. It doesn't it has a different vibe to it. And it's because there's a person behind it. And those employees know that person and they work for that person. So so back to the subject at hand, what this means and what this could mean is is very interesting because in itself, it's not a big deal, right? Um, to be honest with you, uh, there are, if, if you walk to your, if you walk, don't walk, <laughs> why are you walking? Get outside and walk, I guess. If you go to your local brick and mortar store and there's no more Behringer products, well, guess what? Uh, Samson, which is, in my opinion, a much superior product and not much more expensive and in some cases the same price, is available at 1,200 other uh, brick and mortar or businesses it's all right throughout the country. And keep in mind, it's not an in-house Sam Ash brand, but it's... It's connected Sam Ash, obviously. It's a Sam. It's a Sam. It's connected in the family in the family of the of the brands of the business. So this is a business that yeah, even though Sam Ash has stores, they sell their this brand of product to other businesses, so businesses have access to it. So um, I'm reminding you that if you 
are in the market for inexpensive USB mics and, and mixers and stuff, and you're losing, you know, you feel like you, uh, you don't want to buy from Amazon or the big online guys. And this is why this is important. Over the, when, when I had the store back in the day, you know, obviously, like I said, it was like 13 years. Sometimes somebody come in and they are loyal to the brand and they go, hey, I'm looking for brand X. And I go, I don't care that. And they go, okay, I understand. And they leave. Some people were loyal to the retailer. They came in, they go, I'm looking for brand X. And I go, I don't have that. I have brand Y. And they just bought brand Y. No, no issues with either way, but some people are like that. So if you're loyal to to Behringer, uh, you, you'll find it wherever it is. But if you're loyal to your your business that you go to and they don't carry Behringer anymore, I think you're going to be uh, issue, especially TC pedals. I think TC pedals are more connected to guys like uh, guitar players like us. I want to say guys, guitar players like us, and um, and also uh, you know, like I said, uh, a lot of the Behringer gear is really important because it was inexpensive. My first cheap mixer was a forty nine dollar Behringer. <laughs> Made, made the impossible possible for being so cheap. So this is an interesting thing. And so like I said, I thought I'd bring it up. I talk about it, especially since I was getting a few questions about it. Uh, and hopefully that's a, a different perspective on things as well. Any thoughts, anyone on that? Or are we going to go ju- next subject now? <laughs> and what this means. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Hold on. Uh, some of you guys are just talking about Behringer products you bought. I mean, we've all bought Behringer products, even people who hate Behringer products. As you guys know, my wife does not like Behringer products. We've talked about this. I finally bought a Behringer uh, 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 attenuator. You know what I mean? And uh, as a guitar, as a piece of guitar gear. And, I mean, it was a big deal. Okay, um, let's go. Johnny Bean. Hey, what's up, Johnny Bean? He says, I have a Behringer preamp somewhere. I lost it in the move. Yeah, it's not a good sign for the gear if you can lose it and be okay. (laughs) But I understand what you mean. Uh, So Dirt Racer X is talking about their $30 pedals. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's just tough. It's a competitive edge. Dude, the, the, the TC, the cheap Behringer slash tc now pedals they were behringer pedals now are tc pedals and the inexpensive behringer pa and and uh and mixers and usb and recording interfaces usb mics and stuff that's a competitive the competitive competitive edge to have you know when a customer comes into a brick and mortar and they want an inexpensive product you need to have something like that available to them and so think how scary it is that you're like okay well you know you only have these high-end stuff that's why i said uh, I'm just reminding for those that have stores out there, the, the retailers, uh, I would definitely remember that Samson's out there. It's superior product and uh, and uh, you can hit that price points too. And for those of you who have not tried that stuff, it is far superior. <laughs> Without a joke. Um, hey, produce like a pro. Now, of course, last week I wear your shirt. <laughs> Could have been like, hey, I wear... Some of these shows run together, and I thought I was actually wearing your shirt now. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm wearing your shirt last week. It says, hi, everyone. Uh, yes, Phil rules. I rule? Thank you, sir. Once this quarantine is over, I really want to go down and visit him. I, you know what? I'd rather come visit you and your awesome weather. But, yeah, if you visit in Arizona, just stay away from the three hot months. Um, it's good to talk to you. Good to see you on the chat, on the whatever this is. <laughs> so, uh 
Janice says, I have a Behringer PA and a cord for the speaker is stuck in the input. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, so Warren Warren from Produce Like a Pro said you wore a shirt last week. I wore wore I bought one of your shirts. The uh, if it sounds good, it is good shirt, and that's what I wore last week. Um, it's time stamped. I don't. I, I'm sure you've seen your own shirt. I love that shirt, by the way. That's why I bought it. In fact, if I could have stole that shirt, I would have made a shirt. With <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, let's get. You know what? I need to get pay attention to what I'm doing. Otherwise, the the backlog of questions gets a little gets a little gets a little crazy. Okay, so what I need to hit now is uh, every note counts. Oh, great sign on! I like that. Uh, why won't my Kiesel S Type sell? Question mark. Okay, uh, listed for fifteen sixty, cost two K to build new. Translucent white. I'm trans white. A flame maple top. Eagle eye maple fretboard. A small dent at the bottom corner. I even made a YouTube video demonstrated. Dude, I have bad news. I don't think that's the right price. That's why. Um, you have to understand. Look, I, I'll say this, and I'll say this in a, in a way that makes a, hopefully a ton of sense. If you want the right price, in other words, the price that you want for your gear, you have to wait. And wh- how long? Who knows, man? It could be a week. It could be a year. It could be forever. You got to wait to somebody who comes by. Because think about this. The problem with Kiesel's and guitars like that, they're semi-custom guitars, which means there's so many people go on that website. No, It's not like a Strat where it's like, okay, do you want black, white, sunburst, red, or blue, <laughs> right? Or surf green or Daphne blue, right? You know what I mean? That sounds like a lot of guitars. It's not. It's like, like six or seven. Kiesel, like that one guitar you're talking about comes in like, I don't know, 30 colors and then three bridge variations and then three neck variations and three kinds of thicknesses of neck. And so, I mean, you have to find somebody who wants your semi-custom guitar as a as a production guitar or you have to find somebody who goes, okay, it's not the guitar I want. It's not the one I would buy if I had $2,000, but for X dollar discount, I would buy it. That is the problem. Um, and uh, and what I've seen on Kiesel's and resale, I've seen both sides. I've seen people say Kiesel resale sucks, and I've seen people say Kiesel resale is good. What I will tell you in my experience online looking at the Kiesel's, because like I said, my Vader which is over there, I bought used. Um, what I will tell you about the Kiesel's I've seen used is there is probably typical Kiesel's, at least in my opinion, that I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. You know what I mean? Like a, a sunburst, you know, color. But I've seen like a crazy like hot pink like I don't like the satin hot pink look. So if I saw a Theos that I like, but it was satin hot pink, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want that color. So um, that's the problem. So you have to decide. You have to either wait out and try to get your fifteen sixty, or you're going to have to hit a price point that 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 makes it happen. Um, if it was me, and I was selling that guitar, uh, I would list it for the price I want. And then be open to offers. And as each offer comes in, you'd have to make your consideration. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, that's the problem. And I understand you did a YouTube video. And I'm sure, and look, being a conscientious seller and taking good pictures and describing things and taking videos, of course, obviously is going to help sell it. But, uh, you know, you know what I mean? It's a tough guitar to sell. That's their downfall. That's their downfall. Semi-custom. That's the downfall of semi-custom. Uh, Chris St. Meyer says uh phil lpd oh i did that one <laughs> so i did them out of uh griselda griselda jumped 
Griselda said, I chipped the paint on my base. It's a really nice finish and I don't want to it to spread. Is there anything I can do to fix and keep it in check? Sure, of course, especially if you have the, the piece that chipped off, if you, you said you chipped it, um, you can always glue it back together. And of course, that's uh, totally, uh, uh, you. I, I don't do finish work, but I've fixed enough chips to know, you know how, how I go about doing it. Most chips are going to be fixed with super glue, but you need, you know, I don't have all the information. I don't know if yours is nitrous slacker or if yours is polyurethane or what the situation is. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm flying blind here with general, general, general information and no pictures, but I will tell you in most cases, a good percentage, 60% of the time you can fix it with some super glue and, um, and, uh, and you can watch videos on YouTube and you don't even have to watch videos of YouTube with guitar repair. Just watch YouTube videos on how to, there's different kinds of super glue and how you use it. And, uh, and so, you know, um, uh, guitar factories use super glue to fix chips and stuff like that too. It's very common. Uh, Jaturi says, Jaturi says, after a few months, wait, wait, after a few months, wait. There's a comma there. My EVH Frankie is finally on the way. No questions, just happy. So he's just excited as EVH Frankie's coming in. I saw today EVH Frankie's listed on uh, on Reverb or somewhere. Some retailer was listing them uh, with a delivery date of March 21st. Uh, yeah, they're back. But like I said, please, uh, if you, you know, not that everything I say is good advice, but I'm telling you, if you want an EVH guitar that it's in current production right now, find a credible retailer that you trust and put one on order and wait it out. Do not pay the gouging fees or the, you know, the, uh, you know, it's, I shouldn't say gouging at this point. Some of the fees are gouging. Some of them are just total crap. You know what I mean? Uh, listing things for two grand that are only worth a thousand on the market. But a lot of it is, you know, supply and demand. There's no supply. So the demand price goes up, but don't pay, don't pay that. Don't pay, you know, $1,800 for a guitar. You can order for 15 and stuff like that. It's not worth it unless it is to you and then do it. But I don't think you should do it. You'll be sorry. Even if, you know, that's my, my advice. Um, uh, Janice says, do they sell touch up paint like they do for cars? They do sell ch- touch up paint. And that's how most people are going to fix it is with touch up paint. Um, I will tell you with touch up paint, um, it, it, and again, again, from experience of doing this is certain colors are definitely easy. So everybody thinks that if they go and get the right color paint, you know, at the, at the, at the auto store, it'll be fine. It's some of them is going to draw more attention to the problem. I mean, unless it's a big chunk of wood sticking out, but, um, Black, definitely touch up paint that sucker. It's easy. Little sand, little polish. You can even make it go away. Uh, white is going to work uh, as well. Red, base colors, red, blue, but metallics are a nightmare. Anything metallic or specialty colored, it's going to be tough to touch up. I mean, you can do it, but, uh, and it depends on the guitar too. At that point, if you really love the guitar and it's important to you, maybe take it somewhere to have it touched up. Uh, uh, places that do touch up work on, on guitars uh, can really do really, really uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm saying they can do really well. They can make it look like it was never there. Uh, okay. Hold on a second. Uh, Savicious 007, Savicious, I think that's how I think I got it. it. says, hey, Phil, ever play any harmonies from the 70s? Scored a white V from late 70s. Cheap plays great. You know, harmonies are a funny guitar to me, from especially from the era. 
there's a point in my life where I thought they were just crap, right? And that time was probably around my metal days, you know, right? When you start taking up guitar and all, all of it's all just dazzle, you know, right? And it's all like flashy guitars are cool. And your friend would have that harmony guitar and you'd be like, what is this thing? It's not that great. And, uh, and over time working on them and just the cool vibe of them, I've really come to love and enjoy the harmony guitars. So I think it's a good score, man. I think you did a good job. Um, a lot of those guitars, especially in guitars, um, you know, no one knows where the vintage market will go and what happens, but, you know, uh, a lot of those weird guitars, and I don't think Harmony's weird per se, but Greco, Harmony, uh, you know, uh, brands, uh, they have this kind of cool kitsch factor to them. There's a cool collector's tone to them. It's really cool. I have a friend that collects all those, uh, I'm going to say off-brands, but off-brand, uh, that mainstay off-brands. In other words, off-brands that we all know, right? And what's funny is they just keep climbing in price, you know what I mean? I think I've talked about this. I think the perfect example of this is always talking about Silvertone guitars. Uh, Silvertone is the guitar I always like to talk about. There was a time where people would bring Silvertone guitars in for repair and we would just say, like, throw it away. Like, <laughs> I want you to fix this. It's going to be 150 bucks. Just throw it away. And then one day it just went from, you know, it's 150 bucks. And like, oh, and I'm like, but they're worth like four or 500 bucks now. So fix it. So, you know. Um, Tony says, don't forget to click the thumbs up button. Hey, there you go. Click that button. They, uh, they, they it's a uh, disperses free candy. <laughs> I don't know how you make somebody click a like button. You just say it. Click, click the like button. They, um, <laughs> um, all right, hold on. Let me look for more, some more stuff to talk about. Uh, Hockey Town 9, I like this question because it's tough and it's a good question though. It says, please, looking for a cheap strat not made in China under $250 is, po is, is if possible. Thanks. Uh, Hockey Town 9, it is very possible as long as I understand the core of your question. Okay. If you're asking me, can you find a $250 guitar non Asian import? Uh, it's going to be tough. You can probably find a made in Mexico strat for $250 if you look. That's a hard price nowadays. 250 used to be the good deal and 350 was like the okay deal and then now i think we're sitting in a more of a 350 is the good deal and 450 is the uh, okay deal or the average deal um but yeah can you find a 250 mexican strat you can you can definitely find tons and i mean tons of 250 strat s guitars made in indonesia and Korea, I believe you would definitely have to check because I can't, I can't, I can only go off memory. I believe Harley Benton even makes a good strat that is made in Indonesia. Okay. Um, there is also, um, you can get like used, you can get a GNL strat uh, legacy, is that legacy? The import version, I'm sorry. Uh, that is made in Indonesia by Court. Uh, GNL has only used Court guitars as their manufacturer, so by doing so on the solid body guitars, they should all either be old ones, maybe Korea, and new ones, new ones being probably the last 10 years or so, Indonesia. So if that helps, uh, I know sometimes it's a, you know, hey, look, like I said, I don't judge anybody for the decisions. Everybody makes the decisions as best for them. Some people don't, for political reasons or just other reasons, don't want to buy 
buy from certain countries like China and stuff, that's fine. Buy from Indonesia. I understand that. I possibly like to buy from the countries that have the best trade situations with my country. I don't think there's anything wrong with that decision. I don't really embargo anything, but I, if given the opportunity to help, like a get example, given the opportunity to help my local economy where in my town where I live, I will take it over my state and I'll take my state over the country and so on and so on. I think that's just good business and good, good personal business to do. Um, I don't ever stop so you know but i will always put my money first where i think it will do my me and my family the best good so i think that's the core of your question if you just don't want asian imports though you might be screwed may yet yeah, maybe you know what maybe if it's just a strat style guitar you can try and find a godin godins are made in either assembled in new hampshire from canadian parts are made in canada and um i was gonna say canadia <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. I should have just thought it and kept on going. But anyways, uh, and uh, stuff like that, you can find sweet deals. But oh, and oh, don't forget old. Uh, it's get tough now. The old PV uh, style guitars uh, that there was some made in USA PVs uh, that you can find. Straight ask uh, Hockey Town Nine. What I would do is just go on Reverb. And Reverb is great for used gear like that because you can go on do a search for like Strat like guitars, and then usually because it's they're used people are taking pictures of all kinds of the parts of the body and you can find those headstock stuff but yeah it, it's totally possible so the good news is what you want to do is possible it just takes a little elbow grease little little eBay, little ebay work a little uh, internet work so uh floopity do says love my godin yeah if you can find i mean i you know you can find godins if you can find a godin it sometimes is a great a great guitar uh, uh let's see All right. Uh, and again, like I said, if you're talking to me, put a question mark first so I know you're talking to me. I know a lot of you are just bantering back and forth. Uh, and then uh, Macaulay70 said, what's my opinion on uh, about sound from Graftech saddles on a strap versus vintage saddles? I have had this weird experience where I've done videos where I've used them and I've, I've put them on customers' guitars and I've done them on my own guitars. And here's what I can tell you that's really strange. Everyone will tell you they either make the guitar too bright or they say they deaden the sound. And they're right because I, for some reason on one guitar, it makes the... It accents... You know what it is? You know, this is possible. Graph, graphite might just have a property in it or it might just be that it accents, accents whatever the guitar's dominant feature is. Or it de Deactuate it, it. It basically de-emphasizes the guitar's uh, uh, main issue. So what I mean by it is, if you have a bright guitar, it might make the guitar brighter and it might make it duller. So that's the problem with them, is that you never know what you're going to go. When I put it on the guitar, I did. A lot of people are like, "Oh, that's going to make the guitar bright." And in that case, it really doled down the guitar, which is what I was going for, and it did work. And that was from an experience that I learned that sometimes they make the guitar, you know, duller sounding. I don't want to say dull because that sounds bad. <laughs> It takes some of the chirp away, the high-end glassy tone out of it, and then sometimes it puts it back. Overall, though, I feel like graphite doesn't make everything brighter and, gra and glassy, even though that's what everybody's general opinion is. But I think most opinions are based on it seems to make sense, so they think it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people go, brass is bright. It is, but it's not as bright as steel. You know what I mean? In my experience, like telly saddles, telly, steel telly, steel telly saddles to me are just really chimey and bright and uh and brass you know kind of tames that down so a lot of people are like brass brightens things up but in that case i think it tames it down compared to what it is so i don't know there you go uh 
Okay, and where are we at? Uh, confused as always. <laughs> Here's where I'm at. Uh, Litvay. Hey, Litvay says, dropping in a quick watching tomorrow. <laughs> oh, God. One thing in on my mind this week was, what's your method of dialing in a sweet spot on an overdrive pedal? Uh, big money, Litvay. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the video today, which was yesterday now. <laughs> when you watch this uh yeah my way of dialing in the sweet spot on a pedal is flat <laughs> that's my method for everything my goal is to run everything flat so uh basically if uh, flat usually means 12 o'clock but sometimes some manufacturers get a little tricky with that and you kind of listen for it you know right but usually flat so uh, if you give me an amp the first thing i'm going to do is run all the eq straight up 12 o'clock uh you know flat uh if you give me a pedal flat i'll do the eqing flat the gain same thing halfway everything halfway right um and uh and and that's where i usually try to get a sense of everything and uh and that also sets my ear for what to expect so that's how i do it and if you look at most of my pedals right now on the floor right now looking at them they're almost all set at straight 12 o'clock or just above 12 o'clock or just below and the and the thing that i i do and again it's just is my way of doing things when i when I set everything flat, when I make adjustments, the thing that drives me crazy about guitar players, it's definitely a guitar player thing because I've never seen the bass players do this. So good, good, good on the bass players. Dude, why do guitar players, <laughs> why do guitar players have like two volumes of talking, normal vo volume and my parachute doesn't open, right? <laughs> right? Like, what is that? It's like, so guitar players, like the gain is, is halfway or 10. <laughs> gain treble is halfway or 10 <laughs> i'm like yeah. so I'm like move the eq slowly see where it takes you move one eq then you know what i mean so that's my uh that's my um method it's it, it, and where does it come from it comes from years of watching uh tons of people act like crazy people adjusting stuff uh, in the shop that's really what it was like it wasn't around being around being around band members being around music you learn kind of little tricks and trades of things and, and things you like to do adjust and recording but watching people try to buy product is an interesting experience because people are looking for this thing to snap and then make a purchase so they plug into something and if it's not what they want they just start going dramatic on it and so i'm always like calm down there's, there's like, it's, it's normal voice and then like 10 ticks until we get to the parachute won't open. So there you go. That's my advice. Uh, Drew says, when it's time to get a fret level, how many levels before a refret? Generally speaking on uh, vintage fret wire is the worst. So, you know, I'd say two on vintage fret wire. And to be honest with you, me personally, once you crown and level uh, or level and crown uh, one set of vintage frets, uh, after that, I'm, I'm just not excited about them anymore. It's time for a refret for me. But some people you can get two out of. But medium jumbo, medium frets and jumbo frets especially, you'll get three crown uh, level and crowns out of it before you start noticing now keep in mind that's not a unplayable thing like i'm not saying the guitar is unplayable i'm saying that if you like frets like if you buy a guitar because you like jumbo frets they're not going to feel jumbo after about three levels and crowns they're going to feel pretty flat <laughs> You know what I mean? They're going to be minor bumps. I mean, I've I've played guitars. I, maybe you guys, those of you who are out there always on safari looking at guitars, you sometimes you pick up guitars from the 60s and 70s, even the 80s, but mostly the 70s. 
And they've had so many level and crowns, and usually by a couple, or probably by somebody who just butchered it with like a some file they found in their dad's garage. And those frets are flat. You ever seen that? I've come across it so many times, and I can't explain how why it works. But I've seen guitars where the frets are, I mean, literally flat, like like flat, <laughs> like a guitar pick flat. Yet the guitar plays perfectly in no dead spots doesn't feel good to play it to me but it still works um but yeah that's what i would follow for me and and then everybody's like a salted taste thing so it depends on how tall you like your frets me i'm not a jumbo fret guy but i'm definitely a medium jumbo fret guy i like the frets to feel i don't like to feel the fretboard on my finger so so you know that's what i'm looking for so that's how i determine it when i bend a note and my finger just kind of scrape the whole fretboard that's not my favorite feeling in the world so um, okay, the drunken scoundrel. I don't even know what the hell he's saying. See, <laughs> have you been drinking, sir? <laughs> it says, well, waffa you know. <laughs> I'm going to say waff. I, I think it's what you know. Waff you know. 1200 grit 3M makes it sound just like Eric Johnson. Okay. <laughs> drunken scoundrel, you have down, definitely lived up to your name. That is the most drunken statement I think I've ever heard. Although I think I know what you mean by it. We're just going to go with that. The 1200 Grit 3M makes it sound like Eric Johnson. Grumpy Mike Guitar, he says, what did he wanted us to know? He wanted us this week, uh, would love to see a review of some Reverend guitars and why not cheers. Yes, I've talked about this many times. The Reverend thing comes up. Probably the two brands. Oh, there, I made this list. Remember I told you guys I take notes and I always listen to what you guys say. So, you know, and my notes, when I say take notes, uh, I know you guys can't see this because it's so bright. Uh, I have that notepad thing on your phone. You still can't see it. It looks like yellow tablet paper. Those are all my notes. You can see a lot of them. Uh, so I have a note uh, and here are the note that I made. And uh, these are the brands that I made. Oh, look at that. I don't know how to make show it to you. Sorry, it's so bright. It says uh, brands I have never had on the channel. It's Reverend, Yamaha, Sir, although technically I think I did a Sir pedal, Orange, Vox, Rev, Nova, Fano, and Dean. Now there's probably more brands, but I, I, so when you say things like that, I take notes of that. Yes, I know you want Reverend. I know you want this. Ironically, like I said, the problem is, is there's no dealers for those. So when you check them out, um, not physically check them out and bring them to the house, but I mean, just check them out to see if I want to want one to buy one. Because this stuff, these companies aren't sending me anything. So I have to physically buy this stuff and I usually want to buy something I want to keep. So Reverend is something I want. It's a guitar I've been wanting. I'll tell you what I want. I want the Greg Cock one, but it's 1500 bucks, and it's hard to buy a $1,500 guitar when you have no reference of it at all. Uh, I don't even think I even picked it up at the NAMM show. So I keep waiting for the Reverend thing to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, the Reverend thing being come across one used, maybe at a store, or just find one you know new and fall in love with it. Um, but uh, yeah, so so Reverend's on there. In fact, in Yamaha too, uh, for not only for guitars but also. Um, but uh, like I said, this is the list. I'm working on it, so you know I'm working on it. Like I said, if uh, you know sometimes I try, and if the companies want to send out product and do some kind of video, that's great. If that doesn't happen, then as you guys seen in many times before. I just end up buying the stuff and doing the videos, but kind of like that Squire video, you know, I try to calculate how can I 
buy this and not even break even, but get out of it and flip it, right? And churn stuff. It happens all the time. YouTube channels do it all the time. We buy stuff and flip it just to do videos on it. Uh, and I've been successful doing that many, many times. But like I said, I can't just do it willy-nilly. I got to actually have a calculated idea to get the views and to also get the product flipped. So, uh, and then world's worst musician said, just buy a reverend and you won't be sorry. I, I, I agree. I, like I said, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. The, the problem is, is there's a lot of guitars here. It's hard to justify every guitar, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Like I said, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have put that list together if it wasn't something I was working on or thinking about of working on. I said working on twice. I think to illustrate that, uh, World's Worst Musician all said, nice Parker you have there. Yeah, you know what? I, he says, yeah, I have a couple of those. I did this. I did today's video. Uh, you know, sometimes people ask me, do you do you stage all the guitars? You put them behind you for the shows? And I don't. Uh, they're constantly, uh, you know, just as I need one, I pull it in the other room or it goes downstairs or I'm doing stuff or I'm making videos. You guys see stuff moving stuff around. Um, but uh, uh, today's uh, today, I, uh, I wanted to do something fun. So where are we at? 3.54. Let's do something fun right now. Uh, so obviously the Behringer thing, when it kicked up and we started talking about that, you know, and it, I saw it was a trend this week talking about that stuff uh, and the not dealing with mom and pops and not dealing with brick and mortars. Um, what's interesting was uh, I thought this would be a perfect illustration uh, for you guys. I was curious. So, you know, so what I did is today, this morning, I did something I've never done. I took all my guitars and I started sorting them by where I bought them from. So for those of you watching, uh, podcast people are just screwed because, you know, <laughs> the entire top row of guitars that you see there, every single one of those guitars was purchased by, fr by me, of course, from a mom and pop store. The entire bottom row of guitars was either purchased by me from a small or independent mom and pop or a private party. And I think it's half and half because I, like I said, I, you know, um, and so I thought here's what's interesting. I was curious. I never thought about this before. The majority of my guitars have been bought, used and mostly by uh, small stores. Isn't that funny? Yeah, so there you go. And um, in fact, I, uh, I I actually, if you want to know, I don't know why you'd want to know the numbers, but I've uh, bought I bought three guitars. Uh, I currently own two though, but I bought three guitars from Guitar Center and I currently own two, one I sold off. And I've bought uh, three guitars, maybe four now because that's Squire, four guitars from Sweetwater. Other than that, all my guitars have been bought by, uh, bought, purchased from small dealers, including myself when I was a dealer. You know, a couple of these I bought from my store, but that was a small store. Um, or like I said, independent, uh, just sellers. And, um, and the reason that came up the reason why I wanted to uh, to talk about that was uh, is perception. I think sometimes uh, your perception is, you know, because we talk about online stores. I live in an online world. I'm I'm on YouTube. You're watching videos. You're on online. It's hard for me to uh, to do this. But the reason why I want to talk about this was uh, sometimes when I suggest that you guys go to AMS because I have a great relationship with them, or our Sweetwater because I have a good relationship with them, or. Uh, uh, or Sam Ash, because I have a really good situation, or a situation, a situation. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I have a really good relationship with them, I guess situation, but it's mostly a relationship. Um, is, um, what was I going to say? Uh, that, uh, that's because you can buy that stuff online. I've tried to do more mom and pop stuff. Uh, over the years, we've done mom and pop stuff on the show, but like the, a couple times, like, so, you know, when I, when I, uh, 
when I re- reviewed the Schecters that I did, I actually reached out to a mom and pop store and said, look, you sell Schecters. I'm going to review these Schecters. When I review guitars, sometimes people click the buttons and they go purchase them. Just how it works. I said, I'd, I'd like to, even though if they click the buttons from the, the bigger retailers and I, I'll get a percentage of it, I'd rather just send them to you. And what happened was that retailer is just like, yeah, we don't really sell a whole lot online. And I said, yeah, but this is your opportunity to, because I'm just going to open that window for you. Um, and they didn't do it. And the reason I tell that story is because that video ended up with that, that Schecter video I just did, what? It's 130,000 views. I could have gave a small retailer 130,000 views. So the reason I'm telling you that is I'm actually uh, conveying this again because of because of COVID is just a, uh, a nightmare out there. And the retailers, I think, are starting to feel it a little bit, the brick and mortars. Um, and they were feeling it before, but I think they're starting to feel it. And I know as an industry, we're, all we're talking about is how all these guitars are selling. But let's be clear, some not everybody's having a great time right now. So I wanted to reiterate and take some time and talk about that and also let you know if you're a small retailer you know right if you need a shout out uh i did Flipside music uh i talked about uh ike and he so you know he some of you guys thank you guys some of you guys uh messaged him and said hey phil talked about you on the channel and he sent me a very nice email saying thank you for the shout out um so i'm just letting you know if you have that store again uh some of you guys sent me them and i try to shout out as many as i can so just thought it was a thing to talk about maybe maybe of interest um okay what else do you guys got? Uh, Tony says in Portland, Oregon, we only have GC and mom pops and mom pops, but we see who will, who will survive. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll have to say words like that. Hopefully all the retailers will pull through. I think, I think it's possible that helps. Okay. Okay, I got more. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay. All right. Let's uh let's get back to some questions as I as I Okay, Andy's question. I'm sorry, I'm just going to read Andy. It says, "Which Princeton do you feel is more versatile? The 65 or the 68?" Or one of those with an upgraded speaker. Okay, so uh, and 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 this is a my problem, and I, I my no, this is my problem. It's my uh, my mistake. I keep saying I love the Princeton, and I should really be clear. I like the '68 Princeton, and I don't feel like the '68 Princeton is really all that Princeton like. I have a 68 Princeton with a 10 inch speaker and I have the exact non-modded 68 Princeton with the 12 inch speaker. I love the 12 inch speaker. It's got some mids to it. It looks cool because I got it in the cool vinyl, but I still prefer my 10 for the most of the time because it compresses differently. But I also have been playing that for a long time, but I like them both and I don't plan to get rid of either, either one. From that experience, I thought I'd revisit the 65 Princeton and it's just a little too bright for me. It's not as compressed. And it's because the 68s are kind of modded a little bit. They have more of a basement kind of thing going on where there's a little bit of growl to them. They'll grit up a little bit. And um, I like to hit the note and then feel, like I said, I play soft and then when I hit hard, I want something to happen. Um, so that's what it is. I prefer the 68. Uh, but you know, you need to try them yourself because there's, you know, certain things that you'll probably like or dislike about either one, but I like the 68. Steven Barton says my string action is too high on my Floyd. How to lower the Floyd locking nut, uh, when it bottoms out on the truss rod file slots 
on the nut or file the bottom of the nut. Okay, so don't follow the slots on your Floyd Rose locking uh, bri- uh, uh, locking nut. So what he's talking about, everybody, is he's talking about he's got a Floyd Rose, and on the locking nut, it's too high. It's got it's too too much. Uh, the strings are too high, so he needs to lower it. So first of all, let's hope that there's a shim underneath there. So first, please, before you do anything, check to make sure there's not a shim underneath the nut of a Floyd Rose locking nut. of the time, there probably is. If you think it's high, it's probably because it's got a shim. So that's what I would do. Next, if you pull it off and there's no shim, I would not cut slots into it. I would actually sand the base. Or sometimes, to be honest with you, I I, I would recommend maybe you sanding the base of it. That's something I would say if I was a hobbyist guy, a hobbyist repair person, I would, because like I said, sanding the base is safer. Me, if you brought it to me, I would not sand the base of it. I would actually... Uh, once I determined it was too high, I would actually sand and lower it from the guitars po- uh, from the neck, the wood. I would take the wood down and then put the put the thing on there. Um, but I have tools to do that, um, and a little bit of you know not only skill set, but I also have the experience of doing that many times. Um, but you, if you're new to it, sand the damn yeah, sand the metal part of the 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 Floyd Rose locking nuts probably cheap cast anyways you could probably sand it down a little bit and put it on there and if you mess it up you can buy another one where if you mess up that you're gonna have to shim it now so you know that's why a lot of them also have shims because they sanded it down and went too low and they shimmed it but let's hope but sometimes you're lucky and you just take it off and look and there's a shim you can't miss it little piece of metal sticking there um Superjet three, uh, Superjet one thirteen said, "Yes, I have done this, and I had to cut down the wood a little bit." Yeah, usually you cut the wood down. You you sand it from the wood side of the guitar. That's where uh, like a technician would do it, or you know your guitar tech would do it. That's but like I said, uh, I'm always just concerned. I don't want it to. It's hard when, like I said, I'm flying blind. I'm not looking at it, and I'm not seeing the problem. And um, you know what I mean. And, and I know I'm. I don't want to give you advice that sends you down a, a worse problem than you have now. Um, let's see where. And again, like I said, if you're talking to me, put a question mark first, please. James Goody. I hope it's Goody with an E. It might be just James Good. James says, I play the Clapton Signature Strat and would like a second cheaper Strat. Would a player series have a similar playability to the Clapton? Yeah, the Clapton's neck's not super special. Like, it's not like something that's like, you know, like the Jeff Beck neck is probably, to me, of a lot of the signature guitars, the Jeff Beck neck sticks out the most as being the strangest because it's got that weird U shape and it feels wider than a lot of strats. So, yeah, I think you'd be safe with that. I mean, I don't I don't see anything that would stick out as being crazy. Um the uh, the uh, the Eric Johnson's a little strange neck because it's a 12 inch radius fretboard on a 50 style neck. But I, I always think of the Jeff Beck as being the well. Actually, holy crap! The 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 the, mo- the most strangest Fender neck is the Ingve neck. I'm sorry. Let's let's put that out there. And then after that, it's probably the Jeff Beck thing. Just because I'm like, oh, if I don't correct that, you can you can there'll be comments for days. <laughs> really, Jeff Beck over over the scallop guitar? And you're like, all right, fine, you win. Um, you win, you win internet. You, you trumped me. Okay. Um, what else? Um, okay. Voodoo fist. Hey, voodoo fist says, Hey, 
Phil. Hi, Phil. Did I watch you do a five-minute stream on Wednesday, then disappear? Love the channel. $10 for the tip jar. You did. So what happens is I use OBS as my software. I don't use StreamYard and stuff, so I use OBS. Uh, and um, you have to you load in a uh, streaming key right? A code. And then uh, from YouTube, YouTube gives you a, so I go, okay, I'm going live. And then you put a streaming code in OBS and then OBS sends the streaming code back. And then that's a very lame way to explain it. And then it says it's okay to go and you go live. I did a live hangout with my patrons. It was three hours this week. Um, and, um, and the stream duplicated and started showing you guys part of it on, on the live show. Uh, it's no big deal. I mean, it's not like it's secret. It's just, it's not so much secret. It's just, you have to pay five bucks to see it. It's not worth five bucks. Although patrons don't, don't own a patron for that, but you understand my patrons probably know what I'm talking about. It's not something super special. What it is, is just like when I do these uh, QAs with you guys, sometimes the patrons talk about more specific things, but mostly it's more, um, I don't know, just more uh, like YouTube. Sometimes that was more about YouTube, which isn't which isn't interesting to the bulk of the audience. Usually when I do the live show, the more I talk about YouTube and how YouTube works, the more disengaged people become real quickly. Like you guys don't do YouTube, so you like, don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like anybody talking about their job. Yeah, today at work, my boss said. So yeah, that's what you saw. So uh, and, and, uh, and I want to think like Amanda and I think Nathan, a couple of people texted me and said it was duplicated, but I already knew it was duplicated because um, I did the stream. And, and what happens is I did the stream and it probably only duplicated for about a minute, but it takes a few minutes, you know, right? So I think it's streamed for five, six minutes, but there's nothing I say. The only thing on the patron thing that, you know, so nothing I say in the patron thing that, you know, you're scared of getting out um, other than I maybe, I think I curse a little bit on the patron. I don't remember if I do. I think sometimes I do. And um, and again, it's more specific to the patron's questions. So it's just that that's all it is. Um, so there you go. Uh, Patrick. Oh, and I always ask the patrons not to share it because they paid to see it. And if they share it, well, then, you know, why did, why did I charge anybody to do these videos? So Patrick says, if you were to estimate what percentage of 60 cycle hum does a good job of shielding shielding paint and copper tape reduce on strats oh that's a great question so what he's what he's asking i know i'm reframing this but are rephrasing it but he's saying uh yeah so if you shield paint a guitar and, or copper shield it you know right uh with tape how much reduction of 60 cycle hum do you get that's actually a, an interesting question because it's not so much that i believe it reduces it like by a percentage so it's not like uh yeah it's 10% quieter, 80% quieter. It's shielding paint, in my opinion, or the tape, the copper tape, it's not about reducing the overall hum and making it quieter. It's quieter. It's about when you get into really bad situations. So that's where you're going to notice it. So like if I sat in the room and I had two identical strats and one was shielded and one was not, and I played right now in the room, could we argue that, yeah, there's a little less buzz coming out of the amp? Yeah. But if I was in a bar and the bartender turned on the blender and that hum started coming through your guitar, that shielding paint is going to help stop that from happening. So think about it like that. Think about your guitar as basically a big antenna for problems, okay? And the shielding paint is just reducing the ability of that guitar to be an antenna for problems. So so that's where why you shield it and stuff. And I know guys that get really crazy about this stuff. They shield everything and they, they, tape, they copper tape everything. Um, but... Me personally, it's not about an overall dis, uh, it's not an overall reduction of percentage. It's just in those situations, it either will stop it from happening or it will definitely reduce the, uh, 
the problem from being extreme. And when those happen, they're bad. Sometimes, sometimes it's just really bad. I mean, that little hum is not bad, but man, sometimes the hum is just as loud as the guitar. Billy Staggs did a, a super chat and did the, that sticker he likes to send me. I like the sticker. It says goal, goal for those of us that watch football, which is soccer, soccer, football, depending where you are in the world, right? I think people who watch football and we call it soccer just drives them crazy. <laughs> so um, Audio Acrylic says, D uh, did you do the wings challenge again? I did not. I think I told you guys I bought the Hot Ones wings. They're downstairs. I asked my wife if we could do it tomorrow. She said no. <laughs> There's a reason why. It's the 19th. Is that right? Let me look. It's on the calendar. Yes, that's right. That stuff is scaring me so much. It's on the ca Yeah, it's the 19th. So everybody, I will talk about next week. Uh, of course, it won't happen, but I'll talk about it Friday, let you know what's happening. I'm doing the Hot Ones Challenge with my kids on the 19th with the actual Hot Ones sauces. It's freaking horrible. <laughs> you know why? Because the first one failed. And the problem is, is now it's like... It's like, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I was ready to do it when that happened. And then when it all fell apart, now I've kind of sobered up <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing? So thank you for asking audio. Um, I will definitely let you guys know what I decided to do is I, I did. So, you know, the last one I did film it, but it was just horrible. I will film this one. Remember I said I would film it. I filmed it. I don't plan to ever release the film of this on YouTube, but I figure there might be some funny or interesting clips that I could use either on the live show and show you guys or on videos or either way, share it on Facebook or Instagram. So I will share something. Uh, there's some, some kind of thing. You you know, who wants to watch 15 minutes of me eating hot wings? Uh, there's nobody, I hope. But uh, if something funny happens or crazy or interesting i will share that with you guys as always uh, miguel says i found a 2000 korean epi les paul and it's great thoughts yeah <laughs> yeah um I, of course i like epiphone les pauls um i'm looking for one right now <laughs> so yeah um yeah <laughs> I, I think where he's going with this is, you know, uh, you know, he's he, I think there's uh, there's this uh, thing that happens to players all the time when you buy a guitar like an Epiphone or a Squire or Harley Benton or, uh, you know, uh, a Godin or whatever brand that isn't notoriously known for being great. And you go, it's great. You just want to tell people and then you go, did you know it's great? And what's funny is, like I've said before, um, I I really believe this. You know, and again, everyone has a different opinion, and I'm not saying that because I don't want to ruffle feathers. I just want to be to let you guys know that your opinions are are valid. Some friends of mine say that high end guitars are superior to all the guitars. Like, hey, a four thousand dollar PRS blows everything away. That's great if you believe that. Good for you. I don't believe that. I believe that high end guitars are unique. <laughs> they make unique guitars, and it's fun as a collector to have things that are unique. And if you look at my collection, it's really fun. Look, my Stuham Urge bass behind me, it's unique. That Parker is unique. It's different. Um, that Charvel, I loved it, right? But that was a production black, char uh, black Charvel. I had it painted. It's now unique. My Nuno is now painted green swirl. It's unique. That's what I like. I like having interestingly different guitars. My uh, Telecaster, the the surf green one over there, which is really seafoam green, uh, was a limited run with the, the, uh, the, the painted cap. 
it wasn't special, but now it is because you don't see them. So I like having unique guitars. Unique guitars generally have a cost or you have to be lucky enough to find them at the right time, sometimes a little both. And so that's why I think I like them. But, but that's saying, that's a collector's answer. That's my collector side of my brain. Physically though, if you said, hey, Phil, let's go play music. And I'm sorry, I don't have a Gibson. I'd be like, Epiphones are perfect. I'll play that all day. I'll play my Mexican-made Strat all day. I play, you know. So um, think of this. In this room behind me, it's kind of a funny story. One of my favorite guitars behind me is my, um, uh, I'm pointing uh, so you guys know awkwardly, at the, um, it's a seven-string Ibanez RG7620. If you guys know that, it was the high-end Ibanez RG7 string guitar. Uh, that guitar I bought for 350 bucks. So this is as good as anything on the wall in my opinion, quality wise, without a doubt. And I'm 350 into it. So, uh, surf on Gus. <laughs> I don't even know why I try says, Hey Phil, shout out to you. Thank you. I never get to catch you live, but today's your day. Well, you got here live so I could jack up your name. There you go. Surf, surf on Gus. <laughs> uh, Okay, Wu-Tech. Thank you, Wu-Tech. By the way, the other day on the Patreon, Wu-Tech gave me the phonetic of how to say his name, which is cool. It's W-O-J-T-E-K is Wu-Tech. Uh, maybe it's Wu-Tech, but I think it's Wu-Tech. Wu-Tech said, just saying thanks for the videos. I was able to fix the action on on, the, on my gorgeous Core PRS SE 594 that I messed up worrying about fret buzz. Awesome. That is awesome especially on that guitar, because that guitar sings when it's set up right. Uh, Jam Man did a super chat for no reason. Thank you. Smelly Cats Jazz says, Hey, Phil, did you ever release the criteria for your worst and best list? Criteria. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. That's interesting. So what Smelly Cat Jazz is talking about is when I did the best guitars under uh, $1,000, $600, and $300, I had took an Excel spreadsheet and I created a bunch of categories uh, and weighted them uh, and then, and put all the numbers in. And it was help for me to be consistent because I knew I was going to be doing multiple versions of this uh, video series. And I was really concerned that I would just be pulling crap out of my ass going, Oh yeah, Fender's good now. Oh, but this time I think Squire's good now. I know. So, I mean, I was actually weighting things. I didn't publish that list. Um, now, I, I will do it. Here's why I didn't do it. That video series, and I think I, I think I told you guys this, and I just want to be clear. That video series, I um I watched a YouTube channel uh, that I think does car reviews, and, big channel, like 23 million subscribers, one of those big channels. And I saw something like that, and I thought that's interesting. And then I went on the gear community. Whoops, sorry. And I went looking for a video like that. You know, who's the worst, the best? And I found no no videos like that. And I go, why is there no videos? And I realized like, right, because let's face it, if you're a YouTuber and you're working with brands, this is going to piss them off, which it did in my case too. It pissed off some brands. Some brands were excited. Most brands were pissed. Probably got at least three, you know, FU emails. FU is, means follow up. <laughs> no, they, they, just, they disagreed. Um, but that's good for them. You know what I mean? Let them, let, you know, right? Tell me I'm wrong. I don't care. Uh, I'm just a person. So anyways, um, and uh, so I had I created that and uh, the template idea. And then I, I if you want to share it, but I'm trying to wait. I, I should have done it by now because I didn't do the last two. I have two more of those to do. I'll knock those out and then I'll release it. Uh, and the reason I didn't want to release it is I didn't want anybody copying what I did yet. 
And I'm not saying somebody will take that list and start making those kind of videos, but I found those videos were extremely hard. Each one took me about two, two and a half days to make because there was no template. There was nowhere to go with this. Like, how do you, you know, like ranking your 10, you know, 10 best brands, 10 worst brands, but ranking 30 brands best to worst and then doing it by multiple price categories and trying to keep consistency in your head was tough. And I didn't want to be just like, well, I like Washburn, so Washburn did good, and I don't like this brand, and this brand did bad. I wanted to actually make sense, so I created weighted categories like, like I said, resale value. You know, I rated them by with numbers that were weighted. So resale value. Uh, how many times have I seen it in the shop being repaired? Uh, you know, what I mean, uh, brand value. What I thought of the price. Um, there's all these categories. It was like tons of them, and it was all kinds of things I considered. So, and of course I made it all up. It's all just made up. So it's not like it's much different than just me all pulling out my ass. It just, it was a way for me to keep it somewhat consistent with me. And I think the message was consistent, especially when some people called and not called, but called me out and said, but wait a minute on this video, you said this brand's great, but now you're saying this brand's not great. And I go, right, because of the weighting system, if I weighted something, let's say I said it wasn't a great dollar for value. I didn't think it was that great. Let's say I scored it a four you know, you know, dollars for, you know, uh, quality for value of four. Well, obviously when the price cut in half, that brand would do better. So stuff, stuff like that. 94 Dodge dude. Uh, hold on a second. I got to refresh this guys. Give me a second. Sometimes when I talk too long, the screen freezes and doesn't refresh. 94 Dodge dude disappeared. It literally, oh, there you are. 94 Dodge Dude said, how do you manually bend frets before installing? Um, you know, old way, you just take some needle nose pliers and you just bend them, you know, right? You can just bend them. You can bend them with your hands. I use a fret bender now and I never did before. I did it the old way where I would like just bend them. <laughs> uh, but the fret bender is so amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it's so dreamy. I'm not kidding. It's just literally so d dumb because you just run them through real fast and it's great. And here's why I did it. I, I bought the one on Amazon, the one where I did my Amazon tools. That thing was so worth the money. It was great. Um, you know, and so, you know, I feel, I feel awkward not mentioning this. So I'll mention it. When I did that video, the guys at Stu Max sent me an email and said, Hey, we loved your Amazon video, right? Cause you know, I don't have a relationship with those guys, but I, you know, obviously I, 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 I promote them when I can, cause I like their tools. They said, Hey, you didn't mention that our roller is made in the USA and it's really good. And I responded to him kindly. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mention that. I said, but so, you know, I really think the Amazon one's really good. It just is. Um, so it's not that they were upset by meetings. And that's not what I'm trying to convey to you. They're upset that I promoted the Amazon roller over theirs. It was just, they, they obviously, the reason why it's a lot cheaper was it's not made in the USA it's like theirs is, but man, it just, it was a great price and I love it. And I love it to this day. I've been using it all the time. So it's a good tool. So like I said, I've been trying to use, because of you guys, I've been trying to use more and more Amazon tools. Um, this is something I didn't say here, but I maybe said it, I said it on my uh, Patreon show, so maybe it helps you guys. I use a ton of Stumac tools because 20 years ago when I bought my tools, they were the only ones to buy the tools from. So all the videos where you see, all, like especially when my channel started, um, all those tools, that's why they look old. It's because I've had them forever. I've been using them. The, the good news is I bought all those tools when they were the only place to buy them but they're good tools. So they last. Now you can buy so many tools. So dear cheap on Amazon, but 
everybody asks me what I think. That's why I have to buy those tools now because I don't want to be like, yeah, they suck or yeah, they're good just because I'm guessing like everybody else. Oh, I would imagine it's got to be good. It looks good from the picture on Amazon. So I've been buying and using the tools and I got to admit, some of the Amazon tools are the same tools. Some of them are probably better and some of them are crap. And that's why I've been trying to convey that as much as possible. And uh, so I hope that helps on that note. But yeah. But you can still bend in my hand <laughs> if you want. But I'll never do that again now that I got that fret bender. I think I paid 30 bucks for that. I don't know. You'd have to watch that video. It was definitely worth it. it was I mean, I always wanted one, but 150 bucks was just tough. Sean Brooks says, Phil, I started buying StuMac tools. 90% of, of the Amazon tools I give are trash. Yeah, see, that's why. So, Sean, thank you for saying that because I get it both ways from you guys. I get, if I recommend StuMac tools, I'm a StuMac whore. If I recommend Amazon tools, I'm telling you to buy crap. I can't make anybody happy and I don't really care. I just, the problem is I've been using these certain tools for so long. They're just, I trust them and I like them. And people, when they complain they're expensive, like, yeah, hell yeah, they're expensive. I agree. I had to buy them. I know how freaking expensive StuMac is. <laughs> right? I think I've told you guys this. I'll remind you once again. It's important. My wife has never given a crap about any company or anything on I've ever done on YouTube ever until the day StuMac emailed me. The day StuMac emailed me and said, we really like your videos. Is there anything we can do to help? My wife's like, Call them now because she's like, I see what you're spending in Stumac. If you can get them to give you a discount on tools, do it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I understand the price of Stumac tools. It hurts. <laughs> um, but there is exceptions. Like I said, so to Sean's uh, credit, he's saying that basically most Amazon stuff is crap. Like I said, the fret bender worked great for me. I really trust it. I like it. The other thing is, like I said, I buy my micro mesh now exclusively from Amazon because I get it for half the price and I finally work. I like the size of the Stumac cells better. I do. But for half the price, I've just suffered through it. <laughs> so... Um. Phil, okay, Alex says, Phil, can you recommend a hollow body that feels like a classical guitar? Flat radius with a thick neck. I don't know, man. A classical guitar is a wide neck with a really flat fretboard. You're talking about 20-inch radius. Classical guitars actually feel concave on the fretboard. A lot of people, if, you're, if you play a lot of normal electric guitar, electric guitar players crack me up. Electric guitar players, if you pick up a classical guitar, it almost feels like it's broken. You're like, why does this fretboard sink in? It doesn't. It's just so freaking flat. You're not used to a flat fretboard. You think you are. But those radius fretboards really, over time, it's, uh, you know, really change your perspective. Um, uh, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, buddy. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I'd have to look, but I, I can't think of anything. Cause like I said, it's a wide flat neck and I'm sure there's somebody out there that makes it. So, uh, Tony says I've had good luck with Amazon. Only a few FUs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, I, like I said, I'll keep buying the stuff. I'm looking at stuff now. Um, I'll be doing another run of uh, the video that the patrons wanted, which is what I agreed to do, is uh, I'm going to buy all all of my stu. So I had to make a list. So I made a video for the, the patrons only ten tools, my tool ten favorite tools. And so what I did is now what I'm doing, which you'll see, is you'll see the video when I'm done. Of and now I bought ten the those 10 tools I loved, cheap versions of them, and I'll compare them and see, you know, do I really think you have to pay what I paid for the nicer tools because they're my favorite tools? And I don't know the answer yet because I haven't purchased them and I just started, you know, doing the thing now, putting them in the cart and getting that ready. 
uh, I don't know how to say the name. Says, uh, would you ever want to guitar tech for a touring, touring band? No. You know what? Uh, Tim Pierce uh, told me a funny story. And he, I think he said it on his YouTube channel, so it's not that kind of personal story. But he said... Uh, he became a studio musician because he didn't want to tour. He wanted to work Monday through Friday. Um, yeah, same same thing for me. I wouldn't want to tour. I wouldn't want to travel. Um, is not my is not my thing. I don't like traveling at all. I have tra- I have anxiety from traveling. Um, last year was the most I ever traveled in my uh, probably in my life, but also uh, in a long time. And I I have ex- I have extreme uh, anxiety from traveling, uh, and it's. It's bad. It takes me a lot of time. It takes it takes a lot out of me mentally and physically. Um, so I wouldn't want to travel. Uh, and uh, what else? Uh, so yeah, to answer that, well, and I also wouldn't want to tech for any famous guitar players either. Like I said, it's not what I find joy in. I uh, I will fix anything to pay the bills because that's what you you do. You work and pay the bills. Um, and I, I will say this over and over again. Uh, if somebody brings me a great guitar to work on, of course, you know, right. Is it nice? Uh, yeah, but here's what's, here's what's funny. And think about it from this perspective and maybe, maybe it gives you hopefully perspective. Somebody brings me a $5,000 PRS to work on. There's, there's a great hate and love. First, I, I love the fact that it's going to be easy to set the guitar up because the guitar is fantastic. I'm going to get a guitar to play great because it's going to, it's, it's built well. But I have anxiety because the fact that I have to make sure this guitar is perfect and I don't mess it up because it's expensive. And if you scratch it or dent it, you have to pay for things and that gets expensive too. So you want the guitar to be, it's great because you get to set up quickly, but it's also get it out of here as fast as possible. Okay, easy enough. However, working on cheap guitars, there is, there is no player that appreciates you more than when you make a guitar that's unplayable, playable. It's a great moment. I can almost remember every single one of them. Like I just do. It's like, I can feel now what maybe I've never wanted to be a teacher, but maybe when teachers are like, they see kids growing up and they go, I taught that kid. And this is how this, and then they see this great, you know, result. I feel the same way when somebody comes in with their guitar, that's just like horrible disaster. And then they get it back and it plays and sounds great. It's, they always have, they never go, Oh, great. Thanks. Like, you give somebody, and again, I'm not going to ever dog anybody because everybody's different, but if you give somebody their $3,000 guitar back, they go, oh, that's good. Thanks, Phil. Good job. <laughs> you give somebody their their $30 junk guitar they got at a garage sale back, and they go, oh, man, wow. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm that good. And you're like, wow. I mean, wow. And it, you feel good. It just it fuels you up. It's, it just puts oxygen in your lungs and makes you just... Yeah, I'm going to do this again and again. So I do enjoy that. And there's uh, something good to that. And so there you go. Um, yeah, Tinkerbell says, I, I would love to make a $400 guitar play with a $1,000 guitar. Yeah, of course. It, it feels great. My favorite video is when I took the Glarian and, and put the stainless steel frets and did all that stuff on it. Man, I, I love that video. I, in fact, when I made it, I was mad at myself for not doing that earlier. I'm like, why didn't I do that like two years ago? Why didn't I just do video like that? Uh, and I guess that's what Sharp and my axes were. But I was like, you know, it was just, it feels good. It feels good to take something, you know, um, repurpose it. Take something that's not made, you know, to be great and make it great. It's awesome. It's a great feeling. And and, uh, and I love that. So there you go. I don't know if I would love, uh, you know, stressed out all the time because this rock star is, you know, if his guitar doesn't play right, then the whole show is ruined. That's a lot of anxiety. But I'm sure you feel good after the show went well. But I wouldn't want to travel. Um, and... 
if it helps you guys, I will tell you a little insight, a little secret, a little, little magic, if you will. For those, there's always going to be a troll going, yeah, but Phil McKnight, I don't know if he's good enough to tech repeat guitar uh, rock stars. Let me tell you a secret. I, I know a few guitar rock star techs, and I've been asked to tech for a few pretty decent rock stars. And what I will tell you is, they want to hang around with people who aren't douchebags. That's how you get the job, by the way. <laughs> right? Most people don't realize, when you watch roadies and watch guitar techs and you watch these people, a lot of these guys are very good at their job. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Are some of them the best in the business? Yes. Are And some of them aren't. Some of them just are decent to be around. And sometimes that's what you're... So I, the reason I tell you that is, uh, uh, is that Pete Thorne on a live show once told everybody, if you want a gig as a touring musician or a studio musician, uh, be, be a good person to work with. I've found the same thing works for me. The, the, the t- opportunities that present to me over and over, um, uh, the uh, the the opportunities that present to me over and over again are never because of how good my work is. Although I'd love to say that, right? It's not even close. In, in fact, like I said, most of my repeat customers, I'm sure I do a really good job. I work really hard at it. Is it the best job? I don't know. But that, but how you treat people in your personality will always pay dividends. I believe that. Even even though some days it's hard to remember that. <laughs> um. <laughs> ben Combs, thank you for summing it up. <laughs> Says, uh, uh, let's see. Um, uh, Mar- Marcel, Marcel. Okay. Marcel says, Hey Phil, I recently bought the uh, used Ingle iron ball. The volume output is very low, weak on bass and pops on the lead distortion should replacing the fuse and the tubes fix the issue. Well, the t- fuse should fuses should be a pass fail system. Okay. So, so fuse works or it doesn't work. So don't worry about the fuse. I would stay away from that altogether. I mean, it's cheap and it's easy to replace. I, I would say, you know, go for it, but realistically it's a pass fail system. Um, the tubes are most likely. Look, the good thing about tube amps is, is you can feel pretty safe going, oh yeah, it's probably a tube. Okay. So in your case, yeah, I would replace the tubes out as well. However, um, uh, the only concern is you said you bought it used, which is tricky because you didn't buy it new. But if you bought it, you know, used and it was supposed to be in working condition, you're having the issue. Don't forget to, to bring that up with the retailer or the person sold to you because here's the problem. You understand you can retube this whole thing and still have a problem and still have to take it to a repair tech. And then, you know what I mean? You're going down a, a scary road. So be, be prepared for that. Um, but if it was me, uh, yeah, I would replace the tubes for sure. For sure. Uh, especially since, think about it like tubes too. Um, the fact that you're saying that you, uh, the volume output is very low and the bass is weak overall, and then the lead channel is distorting, um, usually a preamp tube, if like one preamp tube is a problem, it's isolated to whatever that preamp tube does. So if it's on the distortion channel, your clean channel sounds fine, but your distortion channel is problematic and vice versa. The fact that you're seeing some consistency and all that mean may mean that it's power tubes or a preamp tube that's connected to everything, uh, like a push pull or, the, you know, and again, I'm very, very minorly understand tube amps. I, I, tube amp guys out there, if I'm saying stuff wrong, just feel free to put in the comments what it is the actual thing is and get that off your chest. But I'm just trying to convey them what I'm telling him, which is uh, normally I would tell you to replace preamp tubes and wait on the power tubes. But your problem sounds like maybe I ditch those power tubes and get some new power tubes. And you're going to have to look to see if the amp needs to be biased or if you can go to Tubes Depot. So again, to do a little research, super easy thing, um, you know, unplug it, you know, switch the tubes, you know, 
Let's let's put it clear. Our dad used to switch switch tubes on TVs and go down to Circle K and swap the tubes with the tube tester. Tubes, for some reason, everybody's afraid of them, but they're not that scary. Just don't mess with anything on the inside of the amp and turn it off for sure. Uh, and don't touch hot tubes. I, don't, I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, let me go back to the other side of this. Okay, we have. Um, what do we have? I don't know what we have. Uh, we have. Okay. Legacy Magic says, hey, Phil, love the show. Thank you. Any recommendations for parlor or travel size acoustics under $1,000? Yeah, of course. Um, travel size. I'm not a big travel size guitar person. I do like the Martin travel size guitar. Uh, not the backpacker. The backpacker is horrible. Oh, my God. I don't know why people buy that thing. <laughs> if you have one, I'm sorry. We're, we're gonna we're not gonna be friends on that, uh, I guess, because it's horrible. Um, but the travel size Martin, the travel size Taylor, the baby Taylor. Oh man, can't beat the baby Taylor. Sounds great. They're fun. Um, so so guitars like that. I, that's the two I like for travel. Those are really cool. Journey makes a really cool fold up guitars that are pretty decent and you can take with you that are nice. I I did some reviews of those. I enjoyed those. Um, parlor size wise, I really like the Amy, which is by Arts and Luthery. Um, it's uh, Arts and Luthery is a company owned by Godan, owned by Godan, and they're made in canada and they're canadian woods so uh that's the cool thing so like the neck is maple i think and then the bodies are like the tops like uh cedar and the bot the body's like cherry wood and so very cool guitars for the price you can't go wrong um after that like all the made in china parlor guitars that everybody sells like uh prs and fender and all that stuff they're all good i like them all but to me most of them are the same and some of you guys that have them right now are gonna be like no phil i tried them all and i like mine better but what i mean by that is not the same like you'll like them all and they're all sterile i mean like you know try two or three and you'll pick one and you'll be fine but they're not really much different than each other in the way they're constructed and they're done. So um, those are some recommendations to start you down that way. But if I if I like to have something a little unique, me personally, for acoustics, especially acoustics, man, acoustics to me should have as much personality as you can get out of them. And sometimes, you know, personalities are expensive, but you're saying $1,000. The cool thing is this. Here's the good news, uh, Legacy Mike. Magic. You're not, not Mike. Magic. Legacy Magic. Your price point $1,000 is really an easy price point for a parlor travel size guitar. You can have the world is your oyster. You can have whatever you want. So uh, there's even carbon fiber mini guitars. So don't be afraid um, for to, to check, you know, just go check them out. Acoustics definitely are hard to buy online. If you can get down to a store, please do it. Because, I mean, it's a, you know, they're, they're, they're hard to buy online. But yeah, I understand if that's all your option. Jam Man says best vintage style Strat single coil for uh, 130 or thousand hundred thousand hundred euros. Uh, I don't know about best. My favorite are the 69 uh, single coils from Fender, and then the 65 after that. I'm not huge on the 50s eras ones, and 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 all the other ones. They're they're great, but I like the 69s and the 65s. That's my personal thing, and I. But I don't know if they're. I think that's a hundred euros. That should be right. If not, I, I don't know. Because <laughs> um, most of the ones I, th I think of are more than that. And I might be thinking of those in price used. Um, you know, another good place for uh, pretty decent single coil, our single coil pickups on the cheap is Guitar Fetish. Makes pretty decent ones for the, for the price. Uh, 
Shut up, let's talk says thoughts on Tom Morello's signature strat. I found it funny that it includes an optional soul power decal overpriced aerodyne question mark. Um, you know, I don't know, man. It's not a guitar I'm interested in. Um Tom Morello is cool. He's definitely somebody uh that I find interesting. I think he was in, in, it might get loud, right? I think so. And, um, obviously Rage Against the Machine, uh, you know, is a great band. I like them. Um, but no, it's not like anything on my radar as a guitar. I didn't look at it and go, Whoa, finally. I just, you know, uh, lately it's like I said, Fender's been pumping out signature models like crazy. And although I'm excited, cause again, I know there's players out there. Look, I know what it's like to own a couple signature guitars from players you really admire. It's a very cool experience to have a piece of that. Um, you know, I think people always, I think we sometimes forget that when we talk about signature guitars, sometimes it's just as cool as man, I get to be like my idol for a minute and that's kind of a cool thing. So, um, but he's not really one of my idol players. He's just somebody I think who makes really sonic, sonically interesting tones, really cool band. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, is it all a little silly? Sure. Of course. It's all a little silly. (laughs) Jam man says, uh, Oh, I already did his Jeff Parker says, got another Kramer, uh, assault plus third one. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's what happens, man. They start multiplying like, like uh gremlins uh this one has emg 8185 has a volume bleed mod tone turns halfway up and sticks then goes past sounds a little harsh after stick that the mod is that the mod or the tone wacky sounds like your tone control is not right i don't think that's something the mod should be doing will shaver says wanting a fretless jazz style bass kiesel or build a warmoth Thanks as always. Great show. Um, I don't know right now because Warma is so back ordered. I don't know if that's a good idea. To, I mean, you know, I mean, it's up to you. Kiesel's got it back ordered too. I can tell you this. I like Warmoth and I want to do a Warmoth project really bad. But if I was going to buy one of those two that you mentioned, I'd get the Kiesel. I really like the Kiesels I have right now. They're really nice. How are we doing? We got a few more minutes to try to. Um, Hold on. Franco says, is there a price point before a person gets a discount at Stu Mac? I get, okay, so everybody keeps reminding me that if you want to get free shipping, you got to sign up for the Stu Mac Club. I'm not signing up for the Stu Mac Club. <laughs> I don't know why. I, 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 there's two things I'm, 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 I get enough of every week. Apps, there's an app for everything. My grill, I got I got a Weber grill. Now I grabbed this like a year ago or so, but I got it and it has an app. It makes my head hurt. <laughs> I'm sick of apps. I mean, I love apps. Don't get me wrong, they work. I mean, I like my Uber app and you know your DoorDash app and whatever app you need. That's you know, but after a while, I'm like, does this really need an app to it? <laughs> like things are right. My 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 TV has an app. And I thought it was like, oh, to control my TV with like a remote control. No, it's just some stupid app to do stupid things. Like, I don't know. So um, why, what does that have to do with what you just asked me about, Stu Mac? Um, it's, I'm also sick of paying for services like yearly service fees. Um, I do, just like you guys. I have tons of apps and we'll be talking about apps soon. I got more videos about apps coming up. 
I just did a video with the with the uh, waves. Oh, by the way, if you guys saw the waves video, um, waves just reached out to me like 20 minutes before the show, and they said they loved the video because they didn't get to see the video or anything I do until afterwards. So they didn't know if I was going to like the things or not until you guys you know saw it. So they they were really happy and that I liked it, and they gave me a discount code to give you guys. I put it in the link in this video and then in that video too. But back to uh, the the uh, apps and the. Uh, the service plans. I'm not into paying for a damn service plan. It's not, it's, it's, I understand in the, t- the end of it, it'll pay dividends. I understand I have a Costco membership and at the end of the year, I end up not having to pay for it because it works itself out, right? Uh, with my business Costco, but I don't want to do that. Now, I'm, now that I've done that tirade, here's how I buy my Stumac stuff. Every once in a while, Stumac sends me a 20% off coupon and I use that. That's how I buy Stumac. And so, you know, I know I know the guys at Stumac I just hate asking for favors. Uh, so, uh, so you know, I've already had this discussion with you. I've told you guys this up front. Last time I bought something from them, I had a problem. And so, and because st- I'm not stupid, I'm not going to call customer service with a problem. I'm going to call the guys in charge because I know them. And I said, hey, I bought this stuff. And the first thing they said was, why the hell did you buy it? Why didn't you talk to us? We would have hooked you up. And I'm like, I, I don't know. But I really did know. And I hate it if they're going to see this video, but I don't think they watch these. So hopefully I'm okay. Um, no, I didn't want to. I, I, don't, I don't work in a business of free stuff. That's you guys think that. You think that YouTube is free stuff. Hey, that guy got a free pedal. No one gets anything for free. If I send, anyone sends me anything so they want me to make a video. Well, guess what? It takes a lot of work to make a video. In fact, on average, it takes me a day to make a video. And a day's pay sometimes is not worth whatever it is that somebody wants to trade me. So, so that's why I'm like, I don't want every scenario to be a, hey, I got this thing for free. All I had to do is tell you guys and get you guys to buy it. So I try not to do that as much as I can. Plus, it tires me out. <laughs> um, so back to your uh, your question. Your question is, that's how I get the coupon. How do I get the coupons? Um, I signed up for something on Stumac and then it emails me coupons. So um, I haven't got one in a few weeks or maybe a month. Might have been longer. I'm pretty sure I bought something from them within the last month. So I had, must have got it. And maybe the last one was less uh, than the others. That's about it. That's the only way I figured out. Everyone else got anything better. I don't know. The only thing I do know, which I've told you guys before, is uh, I don't have any kind of affiliate deal with Stumac. They're not set up for it. The only way for me to get paid for you guys for anything from Stumac is if you buy it on Amazon. And please don't buy it on Amazon because they upcharge everything 10 to 15% on Amazon. So don't do that. (laughs) That's why I tell you guys not to do that. (laughs) Uh Ah, okay. Sean says, I save on Stumac by having my wife buy it for me on Christmas. That's smart. You know, Stumac to me is like, I have a friend who's a mechanic and he's his whole thing is snap-on tools. And I can't bitch to him at all, by the way. For those of you, some of you guys out there are probably have legitimate service industry jobs like mechanics, plumbers, you know what I mean? You guys, electricians, you guys really do stuff that, you know, that matters to the world, <laughs> right? Um, but more importantly, um, I love it when somebody's complaining about the price of Stumac tools, or I love it when I complain about the price of Stumac tools. I always have to recenter myself by just remembering what happens when I complain to my friends that are mechanics. They laugh. I'm like, this thing was $20. <laughs> this thing was $78. They're like, whatever, dude, get away. <laughs> They're like, come hang out the snap on truck with me. <laughs> you have a heart attack and die, lightweight. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, um, I'm not old. I'm vintage says I, I have like $15,000 in snap on and Mac tools. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you guys have to, if you guys have to wait for a coupon too, right? Because the Snap-on guy, sometimes he's got like deals for you. It's the same thing. I do the same thing. Anytime, like, and I'm not kidding, by the way, when Stu Max sends a 20% off coupon, it's, 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 I'm a, it's a grand. I'll just do a grand. That's 200 bucks in my pocket. That's free tools. So uh, when I, I'm, I mean, I, I hold out any, as much as I can. Anytime I get any kind of deal from them, I do it. So it helps. <laughs> And sometimes, like I said, in the past when I've worked with them, if they sent tools, it's great. But mostly, like I said, what they send me, which is fine, no complaints. They send me mostly the tools that I already have because, like I said, they want, and I want that too, by the way. They want me to use the tools that you can actually buy, not the one that I have that's outdated, doesn't look like the new one. John Clark says, I know aircraft mechanics that are still paying for their tools after 20 years. Absolutely. That's why I said it's it's funny, uh, and I but I understand, and that's why I tell you guys I try to understand because I can buy a tool and then do a job and pay for the tool. I've done that before, you know what I mean? I I mean I do it all the time. Sometimes I'll go, oh, I'll, I'll order these tools. It will be two hundred and sixteen dollars, and I charge the customer two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars for the service and the work. Or maybe it's like, you know, two jobs. Either way, it just pays it off. And then I'd have that tool going forward. I understand if you're at home, just doing your own stuff. It gets really uh, hard. That's why I try to do as many tools and more anything as possible. Um, Scott wants to know if I do custom inlay work with Stumac tools. No, you know what? I have fixed some inlays. Again, I do very little building and mostly fixing. And... Uh, you know, the, the reason is, is this, I, I have a, I mean, I trust me as like you guys, as a hobby, I like making stuff. So I'll make a lot of things. The problem is, is that, um, it's like speaking a foreign language. If you can learn it, but if you don't use it, you forget it. So that's how it is for me. Sometimes like, you know, at first I would start, I would, I would learn all of these things to do to guitars. And then over time, Really what happens is where where my life really is focused in the last, let's say 10 years, but 15 years for sure is, is not about learning all the things I can do to guitars. I mean, that's great for the YouTube channel. So if I can translate that to YouTube, it's great. But mostly my thing is how do I do something fast and easy and easy and fast and fast? It's really fast. How do I do something fast and good so that people keep bringing me more of it? So, you know, it's like, how fast can I do like electronics wiring is something if you, you know, if you get the hang of it and you get a lot of it, it's really good because you can, uh, I don't care how smart you are or what you think you figured out in life about guitar repair. Dude, there's not a guitar technician on the planet or a luthier that hasn't spent an entire day on one guitar electronics problem. And there is no math that makes that financially make sense. When they come and pick it up and you're like, okay, 4250, sir. For my entire day's work, <laughs> ten hours. What's that? Four twenty an hour. I'm raking it in. So yeah. So you really spend. Uh, when I say you, me, I really spend a lot of time perfecting the things I already do, so that I can do them well without having to redo them, without the person ever coming back with that problem again, or the same problem, or another problem. And of course, you know, uh, making it obviously beneficial for me. Because here's where you, I found how I basically paid for these guitars is um, the ability to do the repair not only good but fast enough that I can start quoting customers like okay how much to do this and I go two hours and it's 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 you know 180 dollars and they go okay great and I did it now in 15 minutes which means I can do the next one a new one and I can knock out seven guitars in a day instead of five and that's money but if you rush you're going to mess stuff up so you don't want to rush you just want to be fast there's a difference between rushing things 
and just being fast at it. There's my quote of the day, folks. <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> I'm not all on vintage that Coke makes you work faster. Not sure if it makes quality better. Hey, I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't know. But I. But an interesting thought. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Uh. Let's. Let's finish up today because this went two hours too as well. I hope you guys enjoyed it. For those of you crazy enough hanging out towards the end, let's uh let's knock out some um some last questions. Uh, Disco Scotty says, if you could only keep one of your guitars, which one would it be and why? It would be my Copper Strat, which is right there. Uh, look, and, 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 and let me let me be very clear. I can tell you all. This is so easy. It's the easiest thing ever. Depending on the day and the time, which is what you're doing right now, which guitar could you keep? If you only keep one. It'd be this Copper Strat right there behind. Whatever. I have a Copper Strat behind me, or that green strap behind me. One of those. I tell my wife all the time that now because nathan made me that amazing guitar that's definitely there uh, my mirror is usually it's usually my mirror and a strat but now it's been nathan's guitar and a strat so if i could only keep a guitar it would be the strat would i feel bad when i called nathan and say hey man i didn't keep your guitar because <laughs> i only kept one i would feel bad he would understand because we're friends and he would know that as much as i love him for making the guitar and it was a great guitar i'm a strat guy through and through i play strats um, so it's the copper strat or the green strat. I don't know why it just doesn't matter. And it depends on my mood. Uh, they're slightly different in the way they sound and play. That's it. Um, and think about all these beautiful guitars. I mean, I'm very, very happy that, you know, and very thankful that I've, you know, collected up these beautiful guitars. And I would love to say that that hollow body PRS or that Taylor or that Gretsch or something is the guitar, but it's, it is amazing as they are. I just play the strat. Um, what I can tell you is, uh, my, uh, copper strat is probably gonna need another a refret soon <laughs> so there you go i'll refret it soon i'll put stainless on it um because i just refretted another strat and i refretted i think well not i think last november i refretted my um uh mira tone boner <laughs> great name tone boner says hey phil tone boner here how many times am i gonna say that word are fuzz pedals hard on speakers uh he he you said tone boner and uh <laughs> and hard on yes no, they're not hard on uh, speakers. <laughs> that was that was that was still it was it, it was funny. <laughs> okay, Chris Har, uh, Chris Hopper says hello. Advice for doing a refret on a twelve to sixteen compound radius EVH Wolfgang special. I want to replace with stainless jumbo. Um, I mean, advice, I, I can tell you how I do it. You you, you can easily Google it because I, I think I have it written down somewhere, but I usually just Google it. You can Google uh, the, the the carve of the, the neck. I mean, you could look at it, but I mean, with you could take your, uh, your, uh, your radius gauges and then figure out where the radius kind of blends out, okay? But really, you just Google that stuff and it'll just tell you where they start. You know what I mean? Because they, when they may do the machine, they radius it to a point and then they start fading it and radius to the next radius. Um, and then when I do the frets, I just do it that way too. I bend the fret wire appropriately. 12 to 16 is not a huge problem. So, you know, I, in fact, I don't even know. And just to be clear, I've done a couple. I don't even know if I did that, to be honest with you. Um, I think I just literally just uh, radiused all the frets at 12 you know what I mean? Bent them so they, they, they would fit a car, curve of 12 and then let the press do the rest of the work. <laughs> so, cause 12 to 16 is, it's a very minor difference. The nine and a half inch to 14, 
that's another one that's out there. That's a little trickier. Um, that one you want to, I, I, I have done and I've definitely radius the frets a little bit more radius towards at the, at the top than I did at the back. So something like that. Uh, Sean Brooks says, uh, thanks for always answering my questions. Yo, you're welcome, buddy. On the regular chat, nothing beats having a drink on Fridays and hanging out with guitar nerds. Ah, absolutely. My drink comes afterwards. So you guys know when I index this stuff, I can't, dude, this is why you guys are amazing. Watching my face for an hour. Those of you podcasters don't have to deal with this, the podcast listeners, but I don't know how you do it. I have to watch this whole show after we're done. So you guys know, as soon as I say goodbye guys and know your gear, then I go downstairs, I get a beverage that's uh, adult beverage, as my wife would call it. And I drink that while I watch my face talk. It's not the best experience ever. Uh, <laughs> Mighty Guitar Mod says, two jazz guitarists in a bar. Okay, I hope this is a joke. And one says, man, I bought the, your last album. It was awesome. To which the other replies, oh, so that was you. That's good. That's a good way to end the show. We should end maybe guitar jokes. Maybe I'll end the live shows with guitar jokes. Mighty Guitar Mods. Hope it's another joke. I don't know. It says, have you thought about doing some crossover videos with Dan Irwine? I tried. Think about this. I tried to say hi to Dan Irwine. Uh, who was I with? Who was standing with me? I, was it my buddy, John? I think it was John. Uh, we were standing there at the NAMM show. I was trying to shake his hand and just say hi. And he was just busy. And I was so happy for him because I was like, man, it's just a big deal. Uh, so so, so let's be clear. When when Stumac asked me to do a couple videos for them and I did them on their channel, that was my hope that that was going to happen. Something like that, right? So so the way this this, this gig works is you, you end up having to say yes a lot to, to stuff that you don't really know what's defined yet. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, come to Germany. And just come here. And, and you're like, okay. okay. And then you go, you know what I mean? You say yes and see where that takes you. Um, when Stumac reached out to me and asked me to start doing some content for their, their channel, I was extremely honored. I, I mean, it really was. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's to this day, nothing else has honored me as much. I mean, Guitar World used my stuff. They put some of my stuff on their cha- on their website. They put stuff on their, in their magazines. That's, that's great. It's a great honor. I mean, you know, all these things are great to be recognized by anybody. Ultimate tabs, you know, when they start recognizing what you're doing and, and especially when you're not even thinking that's a thing. But never did I think Stu Mac would ever go, hey, would you like to do, interact with us and do some stuff? We're noticing that, you know, you, you, you're drawing an audience that we like. And I'm like, oh, Oh, okay. This is great. And, but in the back of my head, the whole time was, man, wouldn't it be cool if, like you said, like I, I could stand next to Dan Irwine and he could do something and I'd be like, yes, Dan, I agree. That is a good radius to do. <laughs> like that, I don't know. That's what I pictured in my head. Seriously. Some kind of like, yeah, he'll do something. And I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> like he'll be the MC hammer of guitar repair. And I'll be like, yeah, He'll say stuff and I'll disagree. I'll be like, yes. Um, and that's what I kind of thought was going to unfold. But really it was just like, hey, would you like to make, you know, and then they said, okay, here's what we want to do. We want you to make videos of these products. And they sent them to me and I just did the videos and then I sent them to them. And to be honest to this day, I really like the videos. I'm really happy, but I'm always kind of curious. Like, why don't we just throw them on my channel? It didn't really matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I'm happy. And and the reaction was good to them and they were happy and everything worked out. But um, but yes, have I thought about it? Absolutely. As you can tell, I've, uh, I'm giddy now, like a girl, like, oh, I mean, like a school girl, I should say, not or a schoolboy, whatever. I don't want to offend anybody. Anyways, I'm giddy thinking about it. But, uh, you know, there you go. But now with COVID, I mean, I can't even have that dream. I don't know how we would even do anything anymore. We'll see how that goes. 
That was a good question. And good joke. I liked it. Uh, I'll leave you guys on a joke. I have a joke. And then we're, this is literally how we're going to end the show, with this joke. And then I'm going to go. Two guitar players are walking through the jungle. And all of a sudden, they hear some drums in the distance. And as they're walking, the drums get louder and louder. And then, as they get close, the drums, which are just now this huge crescendo of volume, stop. And the other guitar player, the, the guitar player looks at the other one and goes, oh no, what? Bass solo. <laughs> All right. On that note, thank you guys for hanging out with me. I appreciate it so much. Uh, it was a good hang. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have. <laughs> I hope you guys play some guitar and have some fun. As always, uh, until next Friday show. Uh, I, you know, thank you for your time and know your gear.